Welcome to the University of Wyoming Today. On this program, you'll hear about what's making the news and about the people and events at UW. You'll also learn about some of the leading research that's taking place at one of the region's top universities. And now, here's today's edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Hello, Jim Kearns with you. Today we'll be hearing from a man who has been stung by insects dozens of times during the course of his research. We'll also hear about an upcoming symposium that will look at the latest information about drones. But we'll start out today with a weather story. So you had to break out the shovels and snowblowers during those recent spring storms. And it seems like the roads have been closed at least every week this winter. But you can count your blessings. Old-timers will tell you that this winter was nothing like the blizzard of 1949. Here is University of Wyoming history professor Phil Roberts. It was one of the worst storms that we've ever had in Wyoming. It's one of those once-in-a-half-century blizzards from which people measure all all blizzards into into the future then. That one was really bad, and of course we'd have some really awful ones in the 1970s and early 80s, but uh, no, none of them measured up to the blizzard of 49. And I think the reason that the blizzard of 49 was so bad is it combined three real significant elements. One is uh, the snow was really deep, and it snowed uh, record levels in lots of places, particularly in eastern Wyoming. And then the wind blew throughout most of the time and piled up the snow into record-setting snow banks that were just so gigantic they didn't even melt until the end of the summer. And then third, the temperatures were extraordinarily cold. And so you combine those three elements over a lengthy period of time and uh, it caused some real hardship for particularly people in the ranching business and people having to travel in uh, the first couple of months of 1949. Well, that sounds like a wonderful experience. History professor Phil Roberts reminds us what it was like when all this was taking place more than 60 years ago. There were lots of uh, stores, particularly in the eastern plains of, of Wyoming, that relied on railroad shipments coming in on the Chicago Northwestern or on the CB&Q or uh, even on uh, the Union Pacific, of course, and all three of those lines were were impacted by the blizzard and, and had uh, locomotives be uh, snowbound and not able to make deliveries into these these small communities. And so, and then the trucks that delivered supplies from other, other uh, warehouses, like for instance, from Denver to Cheyenne and then Cheyenne North, those couldn't get anywhere. And so the grocery shelves were getting pretty pretty scant in uh, lots of uh, small towns in eastern Wyoming. But even with all the talk about global warming and changing climates, don't rule out the possibility that sometime in your lifetime there will be another storm as severe as the blizzard of 49. We've all got stories about the absolutely miserable experiences caused by stings from wasps and bees. But did you know there's a researcher named Justin Schmidt 
who developed a pain measurement called the Schmidt-Sting Pain Index. And during a recent visit to the University of Wyoming, he said that honeybees are the benchmark by which all stings are measured. It's universal. You live in Australia, you've been stung by one. You live in Japan, you've been stung by one. You live in Norway, you've been stung by one. Anywhere you are, there's, there's honeybees, and you've been stung. And the other nice thing about honeybees, besides being delightful producers of honey and pollination, you know, practical things, is that they are about average on the pain. By average, I don't mean that it's, oh, you know, nothing to worry about. I just mean that the range from the very worst to the very least bad, and they're in about the middle. So that means you can ask questions, and they're the base. You can always ask, well, how does that compare to, say, a honeybee? And if you don't have no reference, if I'm asking somebody, to, you know, how it compares to, say, a cicada killer, nobody has ever heard of a cicada killer, well, I can't get any data. So honeybee's a good reference. That's Justin Smith, and he's been stung many times during the course of his research. He says relief from the pain of such stings hasn't really changed much over the years. And you just pick whatever cooling agent you can find, you know, stick your hand or object in water if you're in a place with cool water or something of that sort. The recommendation I give people, which seems to be the best that I've ever run across, is to take the most common substance that, that's around in our household environment, table salt. Just ordinary salt, unscrew the cap or whatever, pour a bunch into your hand, whichever hand is suitable for you know, mixing a little paste with water. If you don't have any water, you can use whatever liquid you have around make a little paste and put it on the sting site and it's one of these mysterious things kind of like old mom's or grandma's recipe you don't know why it works you just know it works and and this is seems to be as good as anything right we might not know why it works but who cares if it relieves the pain of a bee sting of technological advances have really taken off during the last five years, and there's really been an explosion in the popularity of unmanned aerial vehicles or drones, so much so that the University of Wyoming Geographic Information Science Center will be holding a symposium for people to learn more about how this new technology can be applied in Wyoming. The center's director is Jeff Hammerlink. You know, there are hobbyists that are interested in this, but um, really what we're going to be focusing on are the applications on the use of this drone technology, as it's sometimes called, uh, in natural resource management, in agriculture, infrastructure, monitoring, uh, different things like that. I think there's there's so much potential there, and uh, we have never done an event like this, and uh, our goal is uh, to make people aware of what's possible and some of the things they might need to keep in mind if they want to explore this further. That symposium is scheduled May 17th to 18th at the University of Wyoming, and it'll have a variety of informational programs as well as some technology demonstrations. To learn more, go to the UW homepage and type Wyoming UAV Symposium in the Search UW website slot on the top right-hand side of the page.
And congratulations to popular English professor Caroline McCracken Flesher. She was selected to receive the university's highest faculty honor, the George Duke Humphrey Distinguished Faculty Award. Named for UW's 13th president, the award recognizes teaching effectiveness, distinction in scholarly work, and distinguished service to the university and state. And Caroline has excelled in all those areas. I'm Jim Kearns, and that's it for my time. Thanks for yours. That's it for this time. Join us again for the next edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Today.